Welcome to Death Do Us Part Podcast, hosted by my wife, Jamie. Hello. And myself, Mark. What up, y'all? Hey. So this is the third day in a row we have recorded. Mm-hmm. We are taking a trip back on memory lane. Yes. Back to our second episode. Yes. Jacqueline DeWallaby. <laughs> and I'm, this one's much it's laid out much better than Drew Peterson was. Yeah, you were struggling a little I bit. I was with struggling. That. Like, there's pages missing and shit, but no, this one's typed out. It's much more organized. Oh. So. Isn't that a dandy? Yeah. I hated typing it, too. Like, I don't want to do that. That's why I don't do it anymore. Yeah, All, you did the it first, for like, like five are typed. Mm-hmm. After that, I stopped. Yeah, you were like, fuck this. Yeah. It hurts my hands less to write than it does to type. So I get it. Yeah. I get it. But this one's a good one. It was awesome. Yeah. That's why we're redoing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so people yeah. can actually hear it. No. Mm. Amazing. So we don't have much business. Football practice again today. Little man was hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he sat on the sidelines with me and Jamie. I talked to Tori from Killer Queens on Facebook. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Uh, it made my day. She said that um, I can be um, an adopted Southerner. So I guess that's a good thing? So I'm going to start saying y'all. I mean, it's got to happen. Okay. You know? What podcast? Killer Queens. Okay. It's two sisters from Tennessee. Oh, okay. Um. And their voices are so sweet, and they're fucking hilarious, and Tori sings constantly, and I sing with her. Oh. She's the reason I had Chattahoochee stuck in my head for fucking she four sing, hours. Does she sing like me? Yes. Baby. Yeah. I want a motorboat, you boobies. She doesn't sing about motorboating, but she does talk about beer-flavored nipples. Well, that's even better. So, yeah. It's even better. But I'm an adopted Southerner now. Mm. That's right, y'all. Mm. Yeah. Just say it. And she asked the name of our podcast. Yeah. You blend. <laughs> it's called Disclosure, you dickhead. <laughs> I fucking love that movie. <laughs> I don't think there's any good Chinese around here. Are you going to give a shit what kind of pants the son of a bitch that Chacha was wearing? <laughs> <laughs> We're watching that tonight. I'm going to work. Well, we'll watch it before you go to work. I can't. I'm going in a couple hours. Jesus, you're really killing that fucking monster. I don't yeah. think there's anything left in it. Well, it's 9.15 and I have to go to work at midnight, so... Uh, I mean, we really just gotta hope for the best for me at this point. But we, you get a day off with me tomorrow. I, yeah, and you know what? That's gonna... I can stay home all day and all night and not yeah. have to leave, which will be nice because I really need to fucking clean. Yeah. You so, do. I do. I know I you do. You do. You gotta get your shit together. I do. Oh, my God. Your wifely duties are slacking. Babe, oh, my God. And I'm in a dispatch tonight. Ron was like, what kind of a dispatcher are you? And I was like, a fucking bad one. We have a fire on (laughs) a building. It's over there in the corner. I'm telling you. We need firemen to go there. So today's my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, Dad. Yeah. You know what? It's Ron's birthday, too. Mm-hmm. I know. So. Your boss. Yeah. Well, he's not my boss, but Ron. At work. Everybody knows Ron. 
everyone, everyone, every, knows every, everyone knows. I, so. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anything new? No. No new Patreons? Mm-mm. What is no. going... Well, it's only been three days, but... Uh, yeah. What the bacala? I know. Maybe you need to sing more. Oh, baby. I was kidding. I'm gonna rub my hands all Oh, my God, don't. Butt. Stop. And squeeze. Baby. Oh, my God. Guys. My voice. I should... Uh, fuck, I should have been a singer. You got the mic? Let it I go. Do, I do. Let oh it my go. god, I was kidding. Guys. We're we're come come get to, come get ya boy. I need to sing at the Catalina wine mi- mixer. <laughs> I wore my boats and hose shirt the other day. <laughs> I know, yesterday. I was so proud of you. I do have a Catalina wine mixer shirt too. Yeah, you you do. Yeah. Oh, I made you a big drink. Fuck. Yeah, I'll be toasted and That's fine, because you guys get whiny when I'm minutes. gone at night. So Yeah, I know. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't like when you're gone. I know. But then I get to be home tomorrow. Yeah. So Yep. You'll be sleeping most of the no, most of the day. I won't sleep most of the day. I got shit to do. Yeah, but when are you gonna sleep? I don't know when I'm dead. No. Yeah. No. Frank Sinatra used to say that. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's getting sleep now. Hmm. Yep. Well, yeah, he's he's good and dead. Yeah. Hmm. So. So Jacqueline DeWallaby. Jacqueline DeWallaby. So this is a case from the eighties. Mm-hmm. Another local case. Very, yeah, local, like very local t- towns that we've worked in. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. But the big kicker here is Mark's dad was the one of the FBI agents on the case. Yeah. So, we got a lot of inside info. A lot of inside info from Pops. Yeah. Pops likes doing it. He does. We should have him as a guest. I think he'd be fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah, he would. He'd call everybody bitch. Yeah, he would. He would. Like the Friends episode when Joey gets drunk and starts calling everybody bitch. He's like, what are you talking about, bitch? Right? Yeah, your, your dad totally would. It'd be fucking hilarious. His dad is Ric Flair, guys. Legit. Yeah. His dad is Rick fucking Flair. Woo! Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, he does look like him. Yeah. So we have our theories on this case, but, you know. We do. But we'll keep it yeah. there's actually, down the middle. There's another um, podcaster who's doing just a, a whole, like, season on Jacqueline Dwallaby, and she yeah. wants to consult with Mark and Dad. Yeah, 35 years gone. I don't know why you. I did all the fucking research. I, well, I'm going to refer it to you. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So, we've been doing. I okay. So, trigger warning. I guess. Yeah. We've been doing a lot of child murder. Um, the next case I have coming up is, is a child murder too. So, sorry guys. Yeah. But, trigger warning. Yeah. Mm. Yikes. Yeah. So, all right. Do you want to get started? I do. Okay. So Jacqueline DeWallaby was born on May 17th, 1981, uh, Jacqueline Marie Dewallaby, to Cynthia and James Guess. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Cynthia became pregnant at 18. She married Jimmy shortly after they found out in uh, January 1981 that she was pregnant. She actually left him, though, two weeks after giving birth to Jacqueline and sued for divorce and custody on the grounds of, quote, extreme and repeated mental cruelty. Mm. Um, 
She met David Dwellaby. He was a twin um, and had a, quote, hero protection of his sisters, uh, Jean and Patty. Those were his sisters who lived yeah. in Riverdale. Oh, hey <laughs> um, With Anyone him. Anyone knows my history. Yep. So um, Cynthia actually knew Patty. She worked with her, and she stopped by one day to drop off gifts, and uh, Dw- David was like, hey, hey. Oh, oh. How you doing? And his sister's like, she's fucking married and pregnant. Stop it. Yeah. Uh, that didn't change anything. So <laughs> so she ends up getting divorced from Jimmy, and uh, they start dating. And they married pretty shortly after that. So they got wow. married in 1983 yeah. and had a son named Davey. Mm-hmm. Um, David actually adopted Jacqueline shortly after they got married. Uh, Jacqueline was about two and a half years old. Um, her biological father at this point had moved to Florida after the divorce. Um, and in Florida, he was actually arrested for uh, sexual battery and uh, wow. threatening a person with a deadly weapon, one count of attempted sexual battery Jesus. involving women he met in a bar. He ended up spending uh, four months in jail just prior to Jacqueline's death. Yeah. Um, when, <clears throat> excuse me. He, uh, well, I'll get to that part in a minute. So. Okay, good talk. Yeah, good talk. So, after they got married, they moved into David's mom's house in Midlothian in 1986. Right. So, uh, mom's name was Anne. She said that she would live in the basement and she would let them pay rent towards a down payment. So, she went downstairs, had a little basement apartment. Um, no way in, no way out. So, they did have some co- a lot of common like living space. And Midlow at this time is a nice little town, yeah. suburb of, south suburb of Chicago. Mm-hmm. I mean, fairly nice. Fun fact, nobody stays in this house longer than six months. Yeah, yeah, that is... At all. Yeah. It, it doesn't sell, so the owners end up renting it out, and nobody's in it longer than six months. I don't know months. why they just don't tear it down. They, they should. Because, yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. I've been out in that area 16 years. Nobody stays in that house. Yeah. So, <clears throat> September 9th was a, you know, relatively normal night. David went bowling in Blue Island. They took the kids to Kentucky Fried Chicken, which that was when it was Kentucky Fried Chicken, when they used, mm-hmm. like, real chickens as opposed to the ones that they make. You know, that's why they, they have to go by KFC. Now. Yeah, because you said they're, like, They're hybrid now. turkey or chicken, so and they can't say Kentucky freaky, Fried Chicken. But yeah, I'm still going to eat it. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's like Taco Bell being fucking dog food meat. I yeah, don't care. I'm still going to eat it. I ain't dead. Yeah. We're good. It's delicious. Um, David Michelle came over to get some clothes that Anne had bought for her daughter. Uh, Jacqueline had gotten a brand new red Christmas dress. So at 9 p.m., Jacqueline wants to look at the wish list. Do you remember the Christmas catalog that used to come out? I do. In the lingerie section. Yeah. Oh, my God. Is that what you guys looked at? And Good Housekeeping? Yeah. <laughs> Best non-poor magazine to masturbate to. Yeah, Good Housekeeping. <laughs> yeah. You're goddamn right. That's all we could have. Uh, That's all we had access to back then. Was Good Housekeeping? No, and the Wish catalog. Yeah. The Sears catalog. Those were some racy photos in the uh, mm. lingerie department, huh? They were. Mm-hmm. The two pieces. <laughs> were any of them even, like, in color? Or was um, it all just, like, cream? <laughs> yeah, but it was, like, distorted color. Oh. 
because the I mean, magazine. You cannot put a red bra in a magazine in 1981, no, 1986. No, it was all distorted. But yeah, you can't fucking do that. Whew. Got the job done. Well, yeah, all right. And your picture of Pamela Anderson. Mm-hmm. Um, so she grabs a wish list. She's going to start circling and marking pages like we all used to do. Um, when she was told it was bedtime, she took the book to bed with her. There were no sheets on the bed. That That's a, a thing that it comes up a couple times. So no sheets on the bed. Kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, she was wearing purple Lady Lovely Locks nightgown, gold cross earrings, and Roger Rabbit, Roger Rabbit underwear. Uh, at 9.30 p.m., David returns from bowling, and he vividly remembers bolting the front door after his sister left. Yeah. Uh, Anne at this point says she's going to El Dorado, which is a bar that she hung out at yes. all the time. Um, she left through the back door because, like I said, there's no in and out in her apartment. Yeah. Uh, at 10.30 p.m., David falls asleep after setting the alarm for 7.30 um, because he had to golf in the morning. Mm. Cynthia actually gets out of bed to watch TV. So at about 11.30, Cynthia now decides it's time to go back to bed. She checks on the kids, and this would be the last time that she sees Jacqueline alive. Mm. September 10th, David shuts the alarm off and goes back to sleep, saying he's just going to get a few more minutes, which is deadly, because I end up falling asleep for two more fucking hours. Oh, yeah. I.e. this morning. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Davy comes in, though, and wakes him up. So David got up, and he found the front door was open, which he thought was odd, but he just assumed that it, you know, it was his mom. Returning from the bar, probably shit-faced. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she doesn't have a key to the front door. So how would she mm. have gotten in? Yeah. So um, he doesn't see her car, though, either. So okay. he's like, okay, well, maybe it wasn't mom. Yeah. But whatever. We're going to ignore it. Whatever. Sure. Yeah. Doesn't go and check on Jacqueline or Cynthia. Uh, Cynthia wakes up at 9. David brings her coffee, which, what the fuck? Why don't you bring me coffee? Because you should be bringing me coffee. I do. Well, yeah, even more. <laughs> Dick. Uh, Cynthia ends up getting out of bed at 9.30. She calls her sister-in-law, Sylvia, um, to cancel on a ceramics class she was supposed to take with her. She places that phone call at 9.46 a.m. Um, the reason for this is that Anne stayed out all night drinking. <laughs> Get it, Grandma. Uh, and she wasn't home to babysit the kids. So yeah. Cynthia then decides that she's going to go, quote, wake the children. I hate the, I don't like the word children. I, it's, children. It's like children of the corn-ish. Children. Yeah, it bothers me. <laughs> oh, my God. So she goes to wake up Jacqueline and sees that the bed is empty. Which, why is she waking the children? Davy's already up. Yeah, mm-hmm. True. So, ooh, that's a pen. Let me so she's that. just going to wake the child. Wake the child. Child. So she sees the bed's empty. Mm. She's like, what the fuck? So, typical mom fashion, she panics. She runs outside. They start searching the neighborhood. Um, they call their friends. And they notice that the bedspread is gone. Okay. But there were no sheets on the bed. So she was probably just sleeping on the mattress. Now, Jacqueline had a habit of wetting the bed. Uh, I was going to say, unless, like, 
they're in the washer and dryer. Right, right. Or something. Which is probably what happened because she wet the bed. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't have nine pairs of sheets when I was a kid. No, like, I didn't. You either. had like was, two sets of sheets, and yep. if they were both dirty, you were sleeping on the fucking mattress. Yeah. So, but the bedspread is gone. Um, Cynthia immediately expresses concern that she may have been kidnapped. Instantly, it's the first thing she thinks. Okay. Um, she then, as they're walking around the house, she sees that there's a broken window. David calls the police. Um, in my notes, I put, why would they automatically go to kidnapping when Jacqueline was known to wander off in the morning? Yeah, that's um, suspicious. By herself. That's why the, the deadbolt on the door was a pie, because she had wandered off a few times before. So it's a pie, so she can. Correct. <coughs> yeah, that's suspicious already. So at 1026, David places a call to 911. He has a very steady voice and states, quote, there has been a break in in my house. I live in Midlothian. He was asked for the address and he told them 3636 West 148th place. Quote, there's been a break in and my daughter is missing. OK, why aren't you saying your daughter is missing first? first. Yep. That's a red, red flag. Oh, huge red fucking flag. Huge. He says there's been a break-in twice before he mentions Jacqueline being gone. Yeah, that's a red flag. Yeah. Oh, in my notes. Why would he say twice there's been a break-in before he mentions his missing the, daughter? Exactly. I probably should have turned the page we're first. We're all on the same page mm-hmm. here. So, Midlothian police officer Donald Woodirk, um arrives at the house approximately five minutes later. Uh, when asked when they discovered her gone, David said, quote, about 9 a.m., which is not correct. Mm-hmm. Because he brought Cynthia coffee in bed at nine, and then Cynthia didn't get up until nine thirty. Yeah. Then she called her sister-in-law at nine forty-six. Yeah. And then went and checked on the kids. David got up at nine, and didn't check on her. Yeah. So. Um, he started, you know, walking around the house, just doing a, what do they call it? Uh, walk through. Yeah, a walk through. Okay. Um. So he was inspecting the window directly beneath Jacqueline's window. So there was a basement window. He noticed that the screen was ripped back from left to right. And the glass in the frame was on the ground. Uh, He went to the basement and saw that there was glass. uh, Or he looked in the basement, excuse me. And saw that there was glass in a basket and on the floor by the window. So is it left to right if you're looking from the inside? No, he's on the outside. So he's on the outside. He's on the outside, so it would be from here to here. Okay. So it's left to right, he's on the outside looking in. Which would indicate to me a, a lefty. Not that that makes any bit of difference right now, but... No, it, not necessarily. It just it makes a difference if you're looking in or looking oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he uh, then was taken to Jacqueline's room, and he noted that there was no sheets on the bed, like we said. There was an open suitcase... And drawers that were open with clothes hanging out. Which was, you know. Mm. Okay. Um, he asked David, do you have any idea who could have taken her? And David's first thought was, yes, Jim Guess. Her dad. Her biological father. Um, like, I, Why aren't they, like, checking closets and, like, checking the house? They didn't check the house. They went out in the neighborhood first. That's the first thing that you do. Yeah. Because usually in cases like that... 
kids are hiding in, mm-hmm. in in the house. Yeah, being dicks. Yeah. So I can't even tell you how many times we got called for missing persons, and it was children. We look through the house; they're in a fucking closet. Yeah. Or they're hiding under the bed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That that should have been their first. Thing. You would think they went right out to the neighborhood. So, the cops like, well, why do you think it would be him? And he explains that uh, previously, Jim had attempted to break into Cynthia's home through a window to, quote, snatch Jacqueline. Okay. This was never reported to the PD. Um, he he would come into town and see his mom and try to see Jacqueline, but Cynthia really kind of held her from him. Yeah. Um, but he's in Florida at this point. Okay. So... Uh, Officer Woodard returned to the window and picked up several pieces of glass in and out of the window. Uh, My notes, I don't know if you remember this. Another podcast that I listened to asks how the FBI would feel about the the glass being picked up. (laughs) So I asked asked your dad. (laughs) Uh, Per Steve, it wasn't an issue because it had been, quote, processed prior to us getting there. What he really said was, we didn't give a shit. Yeah, we didn't give a shit. (laughs) So... At 12 p.m., Hayden Baldwin came over, casually processed the scene for approximately two hours. He dusted for prints on the window, the front door, but nothing else. Mm. Um, <clears throat> he left behind, uh, I put sheets and pad. Oh, the, the it, so her sheets and the mattress pad were in the dryer. So he left those, um, he left the glass, and he left the screen. The FBI arrived to set up phone tapping for ransom. And what did I put? I don't know, something per agent. Chief William Fisher said, quote, we got missing child reports all the time. He was very nonchalant about it. Mm-hmm. Again, saying, Which quote, is true. the kids always turned up, so we weren't approaching this as a major criminal investigation. I agree. Right. Um, as bad as that may sound, right. it, it's the truth. It is the truth. And again, she had a history of wandering off yeah. in the mornings. So, but generally with missing children, FBI is called out pretty fucking quickly. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> the next person they named was Tim Guess, who would be Jim's brother. Okay. Now, he, um, he was developmentally delayed. Um, I'm not sure why. It, I don't know if it ever really said why. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but Tim had an alibi. Okay. So... They still kind of pick at him, though, a lot. They tend to. Really? Yeah. So, PD noted immediately that they now um, had two people named as suspects that couldn't have done it. Okay. By the parents. So, Cynthia and David have named two people who could not... There's no way they could have done it. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> and so, I'm sure right off the bat, PD is thinking mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Your dad did. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. So that night on the uh, Channel 7 News, reporter Dick Johnson said, quote, tonight with so little evidence and so so few leads, police are at a loss to explain what happened to Jacqueline and where she might be. No one really ever knows what happened to her. Right. They don't. It's crazy. It's very weird. Um, so the chief actually asked for state PD to come in. 
So uh, Daniel McDevitt, who is a state officer, comes in on that Sunday. He was the first person to challenge the media. And when the media asked him how many suspects, you know, who are they, blah, 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 all he said was there were several suspects. I've taken so many courses by him. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's I think you did say that. So they never blocked off Jacqueline's room. And now family is coming over. And the women in the family are trying to help Cynthia as much as they can. So they clean the house, including Jacqueline's room, which not only was it left open, it had not been processed yet. It had just been observed. Right. Yeah. So they, uh, David and Cynthia were quickly taken for polygraphs because at that time, polygraphs, I mean, they really focused on polygraphs. Especially the FBI. Right. Um, they attempted to uh, perform it on Cynthia, and she was too distraught. There's no way. It, it wouldn't have yeah. worked. Yeah. Um, so David was asked four questions on his polygraph. Had he helped plan the disappearance of Jacqueline? Had he caused the disappearance of Jacqueline? If he knew who caused the disappearance of Jacqueline, and did he know where Jacqueline was? He answered no. He answered no to all four questions. Okay. Um, his responses were, quote, not indicative of deception. Um, <clears throat> he elaborated later in an FBI interview, strongly suggesting the guest family. He then asked if he passed the polygraph and if he was still a suspect. Why would you ask that? Why would that? you ask that? Yeah. If, if you know you're innocent, why would you ask why that? Why would you ask, the, ask that? Yeah. It's like asking if you passed a drug test. Yeah. You fucking know you're not going to pass. Right. You know? So, um, September 12th, Cynthia and David are taken in to be fingerprinted and have blood drawn. Um, what? So, David's now kind of isolating himself from everyone. Mm-hmm. He locks himself in his room. He asks not to be disturbed. He doesn't want to talk about. Jacqueline at all um oh what the so both of them actually admitted to occasional marijuana use which who gives up who cares who who fucking cares yeah everybody did pot in the 80s and like the the Adam Walsh case when they they were doing cocaine and marijuana oh my god they're adults everyone right it was the fucking late 70s early 80s everybody was um So now officers are giving interviews with the newspapers, the the media outlets. Um, John Bitten, who was a captain for the PD, was questioned whether they were telling, um, whether David and Cynthia were telling the truth. And his response was, quote, we can't really call it a kidnapping because we can't rule out a family member being involved yet. If there was physical evidence that the girl was grabbed, then we might call it a kidnapping. So at this point still, a couple days in, they're not saying that the broken window or anything along those lines was indicative of a kidnapping. That's still a kidnapping. Taking one from a it's place. A, it's just a family kidnapping. Yeah. Yeah. You're still taking one from a place right. without their permission right. or consent. That's against their will. Babe, it's, it's, it's 86. They know fucking everything. That's still a kidnapping. So now David's brother... This one's for you. Suggested that they consult with a psychic by the name of Linda oh, Petrine. God, here we go. Uh, 
so they invite the psychic over to the house and they invite investigators. Yeah. Um, your <laughs> your dad said that it took him a lot of energy to not laugh through this whole thing. Oh, my dad was present for it? Oh, yeah. God and bless him. It was bullshit, yeah. is what he said. So the session was actually taped. Um, this psychic said that she was strangled and in a field in Indiana. Uh, she also asked for an undergarment and something that Jacqueline had written. I would have said no. <laughs> Here's my child's underwear. Good luck. Yeah. What the fuck? Why do you need that? Yeah, keep the underwear, and here's a picture that she fucking did for my birthday. I'll just give it to you. Why the fuck do you need that? Stop. I don't know. So now uh, Officer Baldwin is questioning the window being broken from the inside. He said that the glass usually falls in the direction of force, and there was glass on the outside of the window. Did my dad examine it? He said it was processed before they got there. Okay, so he didn't know. He said it was broke from the inside. He said it was broke from mm-hmm. the inside? Because okay. he said that underneath the window, Anne had a, like, not a bookshelf, but you know, like, those, like, cheapy metal, like, yeah, like stands for, like, knickknacks and shit like that. Yeah. He said that she had one of those under the window. Yeah. And it was so full of crap that there was no way that somebody could have crawled from outside and crawl to the inside it. and not have knocked it down. Okay. He said it was rickety, it was loose, there was a ton of shit on it. He, at the very least, you would have knocked shit over. Yeah. So he doesn't think, no, he thinks the window was broke from the inside. Okay. Um, so, <clears throat> oh, I'm like, Steve, who's Steve? Your dad, duh. <laughs> so now they start canvassing the neighborhood. They're asking the neighbors if they heard anything, if they seen anything, if, um, you know, they noticed anything prior to that. Any, you know, do they beat the kids? Do they yell at the kids? Do right. you hear this? Do you see this? Have you seen anything? Um, and David actually says quite a few times, um, quote, after the accident is how he responds to questions. Hmm. What accident, David? Huh. What accident are you talking about? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. So I put in here in my note, Steve thought Cynthia did it due to her being the disciplinarian. Mm-hmm. So Steve's theory is that Jacqueline went the bed yeah. and mom disciplined her a little too hard. Yeah. And David helped cover, cover it, it yeah. essentially. So... Um, <clears throat> the family's now asking if they should talk to the press and give a public plea. Steve said, uh, he said no. <laughs> Quote, if the coverage ever starts dying down, you could boom it back up with a plea, which is exactly something he would fucking say. Right. Um, but he didn't want them to talk to the press yet. So he, you know, David's like, they're making it seem like we're hiding something and blah, blah, blah. And Steve's like, I fucking told you not to talk to the press. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they do. Right. They go for their own agenda. They want a suspect. It has to be juicy. They're going to pick you. That's why I fucking told you to keep your mouth shut. Right. So he said, he was, he's like, I just threw my fucking hands up in the air. Like, whatever. Yeah. Done. So on September 14th, they both take a polygraph. Again, Cynthia now gives hers. And hers was inconclusive. Mm. David's showed deception. 
Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, it is questioned a couple times about David kissing Jacqueline on the lips. Mm. So, um, in this polygraph, he admits to lying about smoking marijuana. Yeah. And he admits to lying about kissing, kissing Jacqueline on the lips. It wasn't like nefarious kiss on the lips. No, or, you I, know. I know. But it, it looks nefarious now because you, you're lying about it. Right. That's the thing. You're you're a dad. It's okay. Yeah. It is what it is. It's like she sat on my lap. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're, that's your daughter. Yeah. So <clears throat> he asked if he knew where Jacqueline was and his answer was, quote, I didn't do it. Sir, that's not what they asked you. Right. <laughs> Not, that's not the question they asked right. you. Uh, Steve said that it, David actually admitted to lying frequently because he wanted the police to work harder. And he thought lying would do it. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So uh, the same day as the polygraph, September 14th, shortly after 6 p.m., uh, Steve Kaszewski was at the Duwalaby home yeah. when a call came in about a body being found. Um, David at the time was being interrogated. Uh, and told that she was dead, and he said, quote, you're lying to me to get me to confess. I guess you guys think I should cry now. Yeah. Uh, at the trial, PD stated he did not cry at any point in time in any of his interviews. So, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, a call was placed to 911 at 5.46 p.m. by Michael Chapman in regards to a body of a small child being found Three feet from the edge of a parking lot, wrapped in a blanket at Islander Apartments. So David's brought home from his interrogation shortly after this, and he kicks all law, law enforcement out, including the FBI. Um, which they were like, "Cool, dude. Peace. Yeah. Bye." Right. They ended up return, uh, retaining an attorney uh, by the name of Ralph Mexic. I'm saying that wrong. I'm sure. He said that their intentions were good, but their delivery was bad. <laughs> you think? Um, Steve said that he spoke with Ralph years later and that Ralph's wife said immediately that the parents did it. Mm-hmm. Ralph didn't believe it, but as time was on, time went on, he started to believe his wife, not the Dwallabies, who eventually stiffed him out of $50,000. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. They never paid their legal bills. No shit. Yeah. Uh, so, trigger warning. Uh, Jacqueline was found behind the dumpster and she was decomposed so badly she could not have clothing put on. Um, Steve described it as a skeletal head with her hair right above it and it looked like a doll, like a doll wig. Her upper body was more decomposed than her lower body because her lower body was covered in her bedspread. Uh, She was buried with her Minnie Mouse jewelry that she had bought on her own family pictures, and the doll that she had had since uh, she was a toddler, and a little stuffed animal named Purry Furry. Um, <clears throat> question, Jean. Who's Jean? What? Mm-hmm. Um, McDevitt at this point, Officer McDevitt, says, quote, there's no way an accident happened, and then he threw her in a field like a piece of garbage. She wasn't thrown in a field like a piece of garbage. She was carefully placed a couple feet from a parking lot where she could easily be found. It was like she had been tucked in. I think their worst fear has come to pass. 
that Jack wasn't found right away, and they thought she would be found and that she would have a nice, neat funeral. Yeah. So he's basically implying that Cynthia and David put her somewhere where she would be found. Right. Quickly. Right. She wasn't. Which, how was she not? Yeah. Because her whole upper body was uncovered. Not, and it wasn't uncovered by the police. It was discovered uncovered. And she was uncovered from her, you know, the top part for quite some time because there was a difference in decomposition. And if you're familiar with that that area like we are, it's all open. It's all open. So. How the I, fuck? Did, her hair was down and very long. Yeah. It would have been blowing in the breeze, yeah. you know. But, I mean, it's not like she was covered from head to toe. No. Her whole upper body was out, and nobody saw it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't... Uh, maybe they just thought it was a doll. It's never a mannequin. It never is, no. but I'm just saying. So, Everett Mann, <clears throat> excuse me, was a witness at the Islander Apartments. He initially had a taped interview, however, it was discarded. Nobody saw it. So, he said that he saw a male with a big nose in a mid-sized car... Um, the more he was interviewed, the more detailed it became. Yeah. However, a second couple stated that they saw a Malibu at 1.30 a.m. and later, or excuse me, 1.30 p.m., but later changed that to 3 p.m. So this is the first time we ever talked about eyewitness accounts. Yeah. They're awful. Eyewitness accounts are as reliable as a bag of poo. Yeah. So according to narc.org... Eyewitness, t- uh, eyewitness testimony is very unreliable due to the, I don't know what fucking word I wrote, malleable nature of human memory and visual perception. Yeah. Eyewitness testimony is one of the most unreliable forms of evidence because <laughs> you see what you want to see. But yet, at least in Cook County, where I worked, it is relied upon so heavily. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It makes or breaks cases, which fucking is ridiculous. Right. And I was just, I was just, I was reading something. Um, When you are confronted by a person with a weapon, you focus on the weapon. It's your body's natural instinct to focus on the weapon to make sure that it doesn't come near you. Right. So you can't focus on somebody's face. Right. You're focused on whatever they're holding. Exactly. Again, eyewitness testimony. Yep. So... But sometimes it works, you know? Sometimes oh, yeah. It... I mean, without a doubt, sometimes, yeah, it does work. But most cases, no. It's as reliable as a bag of poop. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Midlow, uh, Midlothian police, excuse me, uh, exaggerated a lot of info to get warrants. Yeah. Not, not important. It's not like they were like, we saw blood all over the wall. Right, right. You know, but they did. They they stretched a lot of things to get the warrants, to ensure that they would get the warrants. Um, one of the neighbors uh, saw Davey a couple days prior to Jacqueline's murder playing with rope in the driveway. Yeah. It was a long stretch of rope, and the police were almost certain that it was the same rope that was wrapped around Jacqueline's neck. Yeah. So... Um, Another neighbor, Constance, heard a moan at 12.17 a.m. Susan Haseman um, 
said that her daughter was best friends with Jacqueline, and if Jacqueline was going to wander off, she would have gone to her house, and she never did. Um, Cynthia and David are now being accused of not cooperating, um, and they said that the investigation was not accusatorial towards them. Yeah, it is. Yeah. They did find a blood type O under 10 of Jacqueline's nails, which they could only type it then. They couldn't do much more. Yeah. And then back with the window, um, the, there was dust around the window that was undisturbed. It becomes an issue because some people say it was disturbed. Some people say it was not. According to the evidence photos that I've seen, it was not and there was enough dust on the windowsill. I'm not judging because I have dust all over my house. But there was enough dust on the windowsill that you would have noticed. Yeah. A footprint, a handprint, a bootprint, a something. Right. And in order to get through that window, you would have had to put something on that ledge. Yeah. So, um, Baldwin, Officer Baldwin had several handwritten notes that were later destroyed that he claims he did not destroy. He did. Uh, you always keep your notes. Yep. <clears throat> so now Richard Daly, um, he was he was one of the state's attorneys at the time. He appointed Patrick O'Brien, um, who was the head of the felony trial division, to take on this case. Uh, Daly ordered the case to proceed despite O'Brien asking for more evidence. So they're on the same team. And yeah, yeah. Um, Daly says, quote, let's charge them and let a judge worry about it. Mm. On November 22nd, David and Cynthia are both arrested. Yeah. David is pulled over. An investigator called his employer and said David was running late. So mm-hmm. at 830, the employer calls the home looking for David. He speaks with Cynthia and tells Cynthia, you need to call an attorney because something's not fucking right here. So Cynthia calls her attorney. Uh, She's actually on the phone with her attorney when police show up to arrest her. Davy is taken into protective custody. Um, Anne is at the house and she changes Davy and gets him ready and says, you know, later on that she didn't notice any bruises or marks or anything like that on Davy. However, a caseworker that day noted a bruise to Davy's lip and he immediately says, quote, my parents don't beat me. Oh, he's four. That's fucking weird for four. Guilty motherfuckers. On top right of the fact, who told him to say that? Four-year-olds, they say some weird shit, but, but they, don't they don't say, say shit that. like that. They don't say that. No. <clears throat> That's scripted all the way. So Cynthia's being uh, interrogated by investigator Graves. They have a very different view of what was said during this interrogation and the arrest. Yeah. Um. Cynthia accused him of throwing photos of Jacqueline's autopsy at him, at her. Okay. He's like, I didn't fucking do that. Right. So they are moved from Midlow Police Department to Blue Island and back a couple times. Okay. And they accuse the police of doing this for a photo op. Okay. Now I've, just from other cases, sometimes they do this so the lawyer can't find them. So they're they're two steps ahead of the lawyer. Moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. of course. So Davey ends up getting admitted to the uh, pediatric ecology unit at Mount Sinai. Uh, 
So this was a new unit that they developed. It was designed to evaluate and treat victims of child abuse. They're assuming that he's a victim of child abuse. So uh, a doctor performed a genital and an anal exam and noticed moderate lax rectal tone, which is indicative of abuse. Really? It's also indicative of spinal trauma, in case you're wondering. What? Yeah. So... Oh, I didn't know that. Well, it's indicative of abuse because if you are sexually abusing... There's going to be... Stretching. Stretching. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in in cases of trauma, trauma surgeons always... First thing they do, they go to roll you off the board and they stick a finger in your butt. Because if you have lax rectal tone, you have a spinal injury. Really? Mm -hmm. Now you know. Wow. The more you know. know. Yeah. That's... The more you know. Babe, that's great info. Uh, during the rectal exam, Davy spontaneously stated, quote, my mama didn't put anything in my butt. So she's been putting stuff in a He in also butt. said, quote, my mama hit me with a belt. Okay. So um, it does turn out, though, that all of the evidence photos that were taken of him yeah. were exaggerated and possibly altered. Really? Yeah, to show more abuse. Uh, How were they altered? It doesn't. I don't know. Especially at, at that time. Yeah. Lighting angles, maybe. Oh, the, so Davies taken to all with that. No. Uh. Uh-uh. I mean the lighting and the angles, and yeah, you can make stuff look darker and yeah, shit like that. But, but yeah, the, the computer fucking, you know, doing it with a the computer. There, that's not no. the time. That yeah. So he's taken to um, essentially like a foster home, a foster holding home. Yeah. Um, he supposedly pointed out a broom, a belt, and a rope and says, quote, my mama didn't spank me with a knife. My sister is always the one that gets spanked. Mm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> they said that Davy seems to be in shock. But yeah. he doesn't, I mean, he's very appropriate for a four-year-old, according to all of these notes. Yeah, he is. He's very appropriate yeah. for a four-year-old. So, November 30th, they are now um, trying to get grand jury indictments. Okay. I'm not sure why, but I have in my notes, ask Mark about grand jury statistics. Do you remember what we talked about? No. Okay. So, during the grand jury, uh, the, the grand jury, excuse me, um, the prosecutors gave the impression that there were positive IDs. Of David and Cynthia. Yeah, I mean, when we would go for a grand jury, the the questions were as simple and basic as can be, mm-hmm. and it the almost always there's a true bill. What's that mean? Meaning that there's going to be an indictment. Oh, okay. Now, in grand jury, um, do the do the jurors essentially get to ask questions? Yeah. Okay. And they can ask whatever they want, right? Yeah, but. They usually don't because they really don't know what's going on. Right. To be honest with Babe, you. Babe, I would be there with a motherfucking notebook. And I'm not trying. And there there are people that are like that. There's right. But most people lay people no, don't know. Yeah. But there's just people that are a simple lay person that they have no clue what's going on. No clue about the, the legal system. Right. No clue what a grand jury even is. Right. Right. <sighs> I'd be like, so did you find fibers? Did you get fingernail clippings? How many hairs did you find? Did they have the root on them? Did you smell the trunk? They would hate me. Yeah, they would I would hate get you. dismissed quickly. Yeah. And I'd be like, no, no, no. 
I yeah, need to would, stay. They would hate you they right would. away. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, so Cynthia and David are both indicted on charges of first-degree murder and concealment of a homicide. Yeah. Um, Richard E. Neville uh, was the judge, and he was picked by random because apparently that's how they do it. They pretty much draw a number out of a hat. Yeah. Um, he was known for taking a lot of heater cases. And he was... What are heater cases? Like... I know A lot this, of media? Yes. Okay. Heater cases are big cases. Yeah. So like media or a celebrity, that's a heater case. Yeah, babe, the grand jury would fucking hate me. <laughs> so he was quoted as saying, if reasonable doubt really meant reasonable doubt, there would be a lot fewer convictions. Yeah. On December 5th, Cynthia and David's bonds, uh, excuse me, bail is lowered. David's is at $800,000 and Cynthia's is at $300,000. Still a shit ton. Yeah. Especially then. I mean, babe, if your bail's more than $27, you're spending <laughs> the night. Fucked. You are spending the night. Oh, uh, I'm eating fucking bologna and fucking mm-hmm. Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. Um, on December 15th, the appellate court um, granted a motion to release Cynthia. Ooh. The next day, December 16th, David was released on the same um, stipulations. Wow. On February 7th, um, the investigator meets with the same eyewitness and says that it's the, he saw the exact same car that David owns. Yeah. On February 16th, David and Cynthia's lawyers asked for dismissal. Based off of prosecutorial misconduct and serious due process violations. Wow. He stated that the grand jury did not um, did not hear, quote, not one iota of evidence connecting them. And I, I, honestly, I could believe that. Yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I, I could 100% mm-hmm. believe that. If you hear yelling in the background, that's Jax playing fucking Fortnite. He's upstairs, again. so he yeah. can't hear us. He's upstairs, but he is loud as shit. He really is. (laughs) Fuck, man. He goes nuts with Josh. So, um, they say that there was um, no forced entry and that false info was given. So there's a lot of um, untruths, essentially. And it kind of goes along the line with Midlothian police exaggerating to get the warrants. And, you know, they... The defense attorneys find out about that, and that becomes an issue for obvious reasons. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, they bring up again about David's phone call to 911, stating that there had been a break-in, and then saying Jacqueline was missing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> they found out, apparently, that Anne supposedly treated Davy better. Because he was biological, Jacqueline was not. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, she even stated that nothing in her room was disturbed. Okay. They really needed her to be like, no, shit was knocked over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she did not. And after she said it, she was like, mm, shit. Whoops. Yeah. Hundred fucking percent. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Anne ended up selling the home. Uh, to pay for legal fees five weeks before the trial. Uh, and the night before the move, the defense um, made a video of a possible break-in and how somebody could break in through that window and squeeze through that window. And the tape was lost by the defense. So, so you you made it and then you lost it? Uh, hey, that's 
on the defense. Why'd you lose it? Because somebody couldn't squeeze through the fucking window? Exactly. Hmm. I've seen the window. Hmm. Nobody could get through that fucking window. No one could get through that window. No. You can look up, if you're listening to this case, you can Google pictures from the house. Mm -hmm. A fucking child, yes. A a child can maybe make it through. Maybe. An adult, No. no fucking way. No. There's, No. I sure as fuck couldn't. Jesus. I'd get well, a I fucking couldn't. arm stuck and... Mm-mm. So, <clears throat> a lot of the evidence is brought up uh, with her earrings and the blankets and it's all stuff from her room. So they're proving she was abducted from her room. Right. But what the prosecution is trying to say is all of the shit that was taken out of her room, unless you knew the layout of the house, you knew... Um, you know, where your shit was that could be knocked over and where Anne's shit was that could be knocked over, you couldn't have gotten Jacqueline out of the house wrapped in a bedspread without disrupting things. Right. In the dark. So, on March 7th, an extension to April 3rd is given for the start of the trial. It's also decided that they would be tried together. Wow. Wow. Yeah, which is a big deal. Yeah. Um, it, it was to be tried in room 600, which uh, is where the Gacy trial was held. Yep. So jury selection happens. They're not super happy with it. But on April 10th, opening statements take place. Um, Do you know what the jury was? I don't. I would now that I know better about. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just curious. So... The first witness was um, Victoria, which was a little girl, little neighborhood girl who was Jacqueline's uh, best friend. And they put her on the stand because Jacqueline would tell her that she was spanked a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Anne was the third witness, and they asked to treat her as a hostile witness so they could ask her leading questions. Is that how that works? I was... Spitting my dip out. Oh. I didn't hear So what. Anne, David's mom, is put on the stand, and they, um, the prosecution asked permission to treat her as a hostile witness so they could ask leading questions. Sure. Is that how that works? Yeah. You're like, I don't fucking know. Yeah, I mean, usually if you're asking leading questions, there's going to be an objection. So the reason they did this is because Anne had previously, uh, during interviews, talked about the rope that Davy would play with. Okay. She's now trying to deny that she made any statements about any rope. Ah, then yeah. Yeah, you would do that. To force her, essentially, right? Yeah. So, this is a media fucking circus. Yeah. Channel 7 is saying the Dwallabies did not do it. Channel 5 is saying the Dwallabies did do it. (laughs) So, um, on April 16th, the uh, prosecution brings in a, like a mock wall. Right. To match the wall of the outside. Right. Now, the prosecution fucked up, though, because it wasn't complete, and they failed to mention that. Uh, so, you they weren't getting accurate... Um, uh, readings? Think, it, uh, reenactments. Okay. That's what I was looking for. Um a neighbor testified that Davy was the one who was frequently unsupervised, and he thought that if anyone was going to get kidnapped, it would have been him. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thanks, <Jesus> Dick. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, what a jerk. Another neighbor testified, speaking with David, that he said, quote, yeah, it was really hard at first, but it gets easier day by day. This was um, day two before the body was even found. Yeah. What gets easier day by day, douche? Day by day. <laughs> it's day been by day. 46 fucking hours. Yeah. So, and then says, before the funeral, only in America, the police have nothing on me. What? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So then, wow. pa- then Pops, Steve gets up to testify. And I, I My was, dad? Yeah. I'm like, did you say bullshit on the stand? <laughs> and he's like, no, but I bet you would. Yeah, I probably would. Good old Pops, what'd you say? So he testifies about phone calls that were made. Yeah. Um, the Duwalabies were calling homes yeah. in the area to look for her. So they called the neighbor house at uh, 9.52. They called the guest home of Tim yeah. at 9.57. And then more neighbors, 10.25. And, and at 10.26, they finally called 911. So it's a half hour-ish, you know. Yeah. But David still says that it was nine. After they're like, dude. No. Here's the records. Here's what you said. Right. Yeah. So now they want to bring in pictures. The prosecution wants to bring in the pictures after the medical examiner, Dr. Robert Robert Stein, um, testifies. So uh, trigger warning. Maybe. I can't remember what's in here. So they ended up discussing in chambers whether or not to admit the autopsy photos. 17 were allowed. uh, Six were excluded. Now, your dad also testified on the state of Jacqueline's body when they found her. Okay. So he said that the decomposition was consistent with five and a half days of being out in the elements. Uh, He was reasonably certain that it was ligature strangulation. Uh, but he was unable to confirm um, if marks were made by the rope or due to decomp for some of them. Okay. Um, on April 23rd, after all of these testimonies, there is a motion for directed verdicts, which means one would be they could they could um, they could give a verdict on David or Cynthia without yeah. giving it on the other. Okay. So. There was no true evidence really against Cynthia. So they they wanted the directed verdict on verdict on her. Uh, the first defense witness gave terrible fucking testimony. <laughs> um I they didn't they didn't do well. Right. It was almost as if they didn't prep their witnesses. Um they had uh they had an eyewitness who they went after the prosecutor's eyewitness because his testimony got more detailed after time. Yeah. And the only really good thing that they did with him was they proved that it was too dark for him to be able to give the descriptions he was giving. Right. Um, he was giving the descriptions of David after he had seen pictures of David. Yeah. Because initially it was just he has a big nose, you know. Right. Um. So the defense says at this point, though, that they felt the prosecution hadn't proven their case. So they didn't think that Cynthia and David needed to testify. So they didn't. Which okay. isn't uncommon in murder trials. It's, yeah. Because he, they're going to fucking, something's going to happen. Oh, yeah. You know? They're going to tie you up one way or another. So uh, on April 27th, the defense rests. 
And on May 1st, uh, they decide that there is insufficient evidence for Cynthia to go to trial. And the case is discharged. Damn. So now David, despite the fact that Cynthia's case had been discharged, can still be convicted of aiding and abetting his wife. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, which sucks. On May 1st, possibly, there were closing arguments. Uh, the prosecution gave the same scenario that Steve thought, one of discipline. Um, it went too far. And then they tied her up to make it look like a homicide. Right. Um, the judge stated multiple times that, uh, quote, that is an inference the jury will have to make. Right. So they didn't strike it. They let him, you know, yeah. say it. Uh, the defense attorneys for David said that there was no motive or actual proof that any of this happened. Uh, Cynthia's first comment after being discharged was, quote, I'm waiting for David's acquittal. I feel fine. I'm very happy. After three days of deliberations, the jury reaches a verdict. Um, <clears throat> he was found guilty. Of aiding and abetting? Aiding and abetting and murder. Oh, and the murder. And murder. Wow. Yes. He was sentenced on June 4th. Okay. Um, on May 12th, uh, they his friends and family formed the Freedom Committee yeah. to get him out. There were protests held. Um, people are coming out of the woodworks to fucking help him. Yeah. On May 27th, Cynthia decides to give an interview um, where it, it's not a good interview. She says, quote, I've held this inside for two years and now I feel like I'm ready to burst. And the person interviewing her says, what? What, what are you holding inside? Yeah. She changes the subject. Of course. <laughs> so. Of course. On June 11th, the records from Mount Sinai in regards to Davies uh, examinations are released. Uh, on June 27th, David gives a jailhouse interview saying, quote, if I had to make a choice between me and her, I would choose to sit here. Steve said that he very much has an I'll take care of it mentality. And mm-hmm. that's why he thinks that he covered it up for Cynthia, because yeah. he's he's the man. And right. He's going to he can get it done. Exactly. So. Uh, oh, so. A lot of David's pro or excuse me, a lot of the jurors are um, interviewed. Not all of them talked. Yeah. Not all of them wanted to. Right. Um, one juror stated that she was very uncomfortable with how the jury came to a verdict. Uh, on July 9th, the defense motions to overturn the conviction wow. because he was sentenced to 40 years for first degree homicide, five years for concealment to be served consecutively. Yeah. On July 19th, uh, a juror told the story that aired on Channel 5 that, excuse me, that he didn't believe that David should have been convicted. Wow. Now, around that time, they released a story about another kidnapping that happened in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. It was uh, a gym owner. I remember that. Yeah. And that was, I mean, that was a legitimate. Yeah. He went in through the the kitchen window and, yeah. So the Illinois Appellate Court uh, agreed to free David pending appeal. So he got out pending the appeal. Um, he met the standards. He did. They did not feel that he was a danger to the community, a flight risk, um, and there was substantial likelihood that he would prevail on appeal. Wow. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now, the judge, however, was like, I ain't fucking signing this. Yeah. I'm not signing this. He put a temporary stay on the order. 
so David could not be released. Really? Yes. The next day, the appellate court reversed the decision. Oh, my God. So now he's stuck. So he's sent to Stateville, which obviously that's what's around here. Yeah. Um. Just down the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> down, yeah, not too far. No. Like, there was a sign less than a mile from my house growing up that said, don't pick up hitchhikers. Yeah. So. And if people aren't familiar, so we have Stateville out here, but we have the old Joliet prison that's that used to be Stateville, but that's where the movie The Blues Brothers was filmed. And I thought it was the Joliet prison. Yeah, it was. The old Joliet prison. The old Joliet prison. Yeah. And bits and pieces of... The mall scene was filmed in Harvey. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but at the old Joliet prison, um, I believe part of that movie with Johnny Depp when he's Dillinger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's breaking out of Crown Point. Yes, it was filmed there. It was filmed there. There's a lot of shit that was filmed there. Old Joliet prison as well, yeah. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so at this and it's point, filled with ghosts now. Oh, they every Halloween you can take a tour. Yeah, fuck that. It's nope. Fucking haunted. Nope. Mm-mm. But it's creepy because it's right across the street from the Illinois State Police Lab where I yeah. had to bring all the evidence. <laughs> My girl goes there every Saturday to volunteer to clean, and they found a blue barrel. <laughs> Not too long ago. Did she open it? She sent me a picture. Well, did she open it? No. She's like, what do you think's in here? Probably a body. Yeah. I, well, I told her. I was like, what What do you think is in there? I said, that's a dissolved fucking body in there. <laughs> so they left it. They didn't They didn't touch it. Oh, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. This is also the same uh, person who wanted the piece of my skull to make a necklace. Dude. So we missed we that opportunity. A, we could have had a murder solved. I know. I know. What the fuck? Let's get it together here. So, <laughs> their uh, previous defense attorney, Mexic, I'm saying that totally wrong. Mezic? Mezic. M-E-C-Z-Y-K. So, he's now um, attempting to sue David and Cynthia for leftover fees. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Freedom Committee uh, formed a hotline, and one of the prosecutors stated, quote, Will she call it herself and finally confess to the crime? (laughs) Speaking of of Cynthia, in January of 1991, there's a new state's attorney by the name of Jack O'Malley. He publicly promised to drop the abuse charges. Uh, Cynthia had to undergo psychiatric testing. Edward Jones Michaels stated that he couldn't complete some of the testing because Cynthia became flustered. He wrote a report saying that Cynthia was, quote, defensive and exhibited over-controlled hostility (laughs) and might be capable of explosive violence. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. On March 5th, 1991, there was a six-day hearing in regards to the psych evaluation, and they basically say that she has a double life. They do allow David to testify, though, at this one, and he's like, no, she's fucking normal. She ain't normal. Yeah. Normal. She gets custody back of Davy on March 11th. Mm. So that's what she was trying to get the whole time. Um, <clears throat> on June 12th of 1991, or- oral arguments are given for the appeal. Multiple alternatives are given by David's attorney, including David not being involved at all. 
Um, they actually said that his mom could be responsible, his yeah. sister could be responsible, Cynthia could be responsible. Right. Her charges were dismissed, double jeopardy. Yeah. She can't be tried again. Yep. So, um, well, she could on like concealment. Right, but not an actual murder right. charge. So, um, they actually, it takes months to get the opinion from the appellate's court. Yeah. July 13th, there's a prison riot at Stateville. <laughs> I don't know why I put that in there, because it doesn't fucking matter. Um, <laughs> There's a riot there all the time. Yeah. On October 28th, the justices settled on a 21-page opinion stating the prosecution, quote, failed to introduce sufficient evidence to directly or indirectly link David with Jacqueline's murder. Wow. On October 30th, appellate opinion comes out, and the next step is to ask the appellate court to release David. Um, his attorney files a bond motion. The judge was called after he had retired and uh, said, quote, they say you, or excuse me, it was said to him, they say you erred by not granting David's motion for a direct verdict. His response was, quote, oh shit. Mm. (laughs) November 1st, uh, the state's attorney O'Malley stated that he would object the ruling and ask the Illinois Supreme Court to review the case um, to keep him in jail and oppose the bond. On November 5th, the appellate court sets a bond. The prosecutors sought an emergency stay from the Illinois Supreme Court and did not get it. Did the dog just run into the table? Uh, He ran and like tucked and rolled. What the fuck? I think he tripped because that's what he does. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded like he fucking was a bull. I saw him like tuck and roll. Yeah. So um, November 11th, it's Veterans Day. The Supreme Court uh, lifted the stay without comment. Yeah. And November 13th, David is released. Oh, my God. On February 5th of 1992, the Illinois Supreme Court denied prosecutors' request to review the appellate court's outright reversal of the Duwalaby case. The Illinois Supreme Court declared, quote, the Duwalaby case is over, meaning O'Malley would not be able to appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court or reopen the investigation. Now, you cut it right down the middle, but I'm sorry. My opinion is with my dad. I totally believe Mm -hmm. Cynthia went went too far with... And he was the man of the house and had to cover it up. Yes. So now, two weeks after the Supreme Court made their decision, uh, Captain Daniel McDevitt, and you knew about this, and aide uh, Sergeant Kevin Shaughnessy are suspended by the state police for a child porn scandal. Yep. So that doesn't help. No. So David is released from prison... He's acquitted. He can't be tried again. Cynthia was acquitted. She can't be tried again. And correct me if I'm wrong, one of our listeners got in touch with us after we did this, Mm -hmm. and they still live in the area. They do. They changed their last name. And changed Davey's name. And they still live in the town next over to us Mm -hmm. now. They're closer now than they... They're closer now than they were... Yes. So I, I wonder how many times we fucking pass by each other and don't even know it. And pass Nobody and, knows it. Yeah. Yeah. So so that is the case of um Jacqueline Wallaby. Man, so sad it's we never don't gonna know. be fucking no. solved. We don't know what happened and we never will. No, it's never gonna be solved. Nope. So nobody knows what happened to Jacqueline from the time she went to bed right till the time her body was found. They don't know. And it was five and a half days. What a shame. Mm-hmm. What a fucking shame. Yep. 
Well, that was good. Uh, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope this time you enjoyed it because you could at least fucking hear it. Yay! Um, all the information was basically the same as yeah. the first oh, yeah. time. It's just, like I said, we're re-recording these so you can actually hear it. Um, but, I mean, it's fun to listen o- over again. Mm-hmm. You know, why not? Yeah. Um, I catch myself, you know, replaying you listen to us all the time I, I and i can't i can't listen to my own voice yeah i do it bothers I me do. so yeah i can't listen to my own voice but guys i hope you enjoyed it our next episode will be polyclass polyclass and we will be doing that in a few days tomorrow maybe tomorrow or friday yeah and then this weekend will be a patreon exclusive yes the boston marathon bombing mm-hmm. thank you josh good. yes where which, he pulled that one out of his fucking <clears throat> butt i don't know i know but that's uh, that's a great request yeah. it is i remember that so, i remember i was at work when it happened i remember i was sitting on the couch watching it hmm. there you so, go but thank you guys it's getting late uh we're doing we're knocking these out late at night yeah. after football so uh, we apologize, but we are tired, and... I have to go to work. Jamie's got to fucking work the midnight shift <laughs> on dispatching, so... Uh, thank you guys for listening. Please like, follow, subscribe. Write, Tell your friends. Yeah, write, please write some more reviews. Um, thank you guys for listening. We we can't tell you how much we appreciate it. You guys are the tits. Yeah. So, we will be talking to you soon. Bye. Bye.